Again, thank you very much, Bertie, for the very kind words of welcome. Returning to the lifeboat, a, a joy to be with you here this morning, and especially on this missionary day. If it was way back in 1977, I must have been a very young fellow back then. I'm not sure if it was in short trousers still in 77, but uh, no, uh, we look back on many years of fellowship, and we thank God for His, His continued goodness to us. And I want to thank you this morning for your interest and fellowship in the work of Acre Gospel Mission. This mission has been going for 82 years. We're absolutely cast upon the faithfulness of God. And we thank God why, as Zephaniah says, He faileth not. And it's in that that we rejoice. He is bringing in the harvest. You've heard of the fires in the Amazon. Well, we're, we're glad for the fires of revival that are burning across the Amazon in the hearts of men and women, and especially some of our missionaries who are doing a great work for God. And uh, we want to thank you most sincerely for all of your interest in the, the work of God. Audrey and I have been with Acre Gospel Mission since 1964, and uh, we're looking back for these many years and thank God for His continued blessing upon us. Uh, the Lord willing, in January, we will be back in the Amazon uh, ministering conferences. As a matter of fact, I started a conference on the day of my 80th birthday. I can't believe it. Uh, we arrived in Brazil in our early 20s and, and, uh, and here still going to Brazil. But as it was with Caleb, may the Lord continue to give us the strength for every day in the service of the King of Kings. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from the book of Romans and we're re ro reading at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and we're reading, first of all, verse 1, and then we'll drop down to verse 13. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Verse 13. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that is, but was hindered hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And amen, may God bless to us these readings from his sacred word. This little province of ours has sent missionaries all across our world. Amongst those who have gone, perhaps there is none more prominent than a family from Belfast known as the Munn family. There were nine children in the Munn family. Seven of them went into Christian work. Five of those went to foreign mission fields. As a matter of fact, only one son remained unconverted, and the other son was killed in the Second World War. Primary among those would be Emma Munn. Emma went to serve God with Weck in Guinea on West Africa, and there spent many years serving her Savior. Next to her was Janet. 
Janet also went with Weck, and she went to Liberia. And again, for many years, poured out her life and love for the Savior as she served God amongst the people of Liberia. Brother Robert, Robert, he served God with the European Christian mission and went to serve the Lord in France, and especially with a Bible school that was known as the Lammerley Bible School, and also the Emmaus Bible course in the French. Sister Jessie went to serve God in the Cape Verde Islands with the Church of the Nazarene. Her and her husband Ernie did a fantastic work in the Cape Verde Islands, again off the west coast of Africa. Next to her was Lottie. Lottie also went to the Cape Verde Islands, and then the latter part of her life she spent in Portugal. They're in a church planting ministry, and we thank God for that family serving God. Two sisters remained at home and opened a Christian bookshop that continues to this day, now the Faith Mission bookshop that is known as the Bethel Bookshop. But they started that to support her sisters and brother, all serving God across the world. I mention that family because we were greatly involved with the family for many years of our lives and greatly challenged by their dedication to the work of God. But I do remember at Emma Munn's funeral, her brother-in-law, Ernie Eads, Jesse uh, Munn's husband, Ernie stood and sung a song, that, uh, a hymn, that expressed this, their, their lives. And the hymn went like this, O Lord, this world is lost in sin, and few there are who care, many of whom profess your name. No, no burden will help to bear. We need a passion, Lord, for souls to bring the lost back to thee. Our hearts must be stirred until all have heard at least once of Calvary. And there an Ernie sang, Let me burn out for thee, dear Lord. Burn and wear out for thee. Don't let me rust or my life be a hindrance, my God, to thee. Take me and all I have, dear Lord, and get me so close to thee till I feel the throb of the great heart of God and my life burns out for thee. That family had a passion for the Lord and a passion for the lost. And my friend, can I say that when it comes to mission, we need that sort of passion. The Apostle Paul had that sort of passion when he prayed for Israel and said, My heart's desire, that is, my heart's passion for Israel is that they might be saved. He had such a passion in prayer that he said in Romans 9, I could wish myself accursed for Christ, for my kinsmen according to the flesh. That is, he, he could wish himself to hail that others might be saved. He had such a passion that he said, I make myself all things to all men that by all means I might reach some. And this I do for the gospel's sake. A passion in his praying, a passion in his preaching, and a passion in his pleading. That was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was probably the greatest Christian the Christian church has ever known. The man who was once a persecutor and dragged off to prison, those who called upon the name of the Lord Jesus by the transformation of the gospel, why his life was changed. So changed was his life that he was motivated by God and grace in the gospel 
and took the gospel to every Roman province of his lifetime, stretching himself, constrained by the love of Christ. They say of the Apostle Paul that he was a little man, but can I say he was a little man with a, a big heart? He shared the passion that Amy Carmichael wrote about when she wrote and said, let me, uh, oh, her, her poem is gone from me just now, but she wrote and said, oh, for a passionate passion for souls, oh, for a heart that burns, oh, for a love that loves unto death, oh, for a love that burns. My friend, I ask you this morning, do we share that sort of passion? Do we have a passion for the lost that are around us? I say all that this morning because the Apostle Paul, in this first chapter of Romans, as he contemplated going to Rome, the citadel of power and authority. Rome, the citadel, my friend, of, of the emperor on the throne. And yet he, an unknown Jew, filled with passion, longed to take the gospel to these people. And what motivated, he showed, what motivated him, he reveals to us in the verses that we've read together. Three times he says, I am. First of all, he said, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. He secondly said, I am ready to preach the gospel to the Rome also. And then he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The three I am's that motivated the Apostle Paul, I not, only I not only want to share with you this morning, but I trust that you can share them also with the Apostle Paul. First of all, when the Apostle Paul said, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, he was indicating his faithfulness to the obligation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul felt that he was in debt to God. A debt to God, not because, my friend, he could pay anything for his salvation. Not that he could do anything for his salvation. He was a debtor to the Christ who was above him. Why? Because Jesus had redeemed him. There's a little verse that says, I cannot work my soul to save, for that my Lord has done. But I will work like any slave for love of God's dear Son. And that was the Apostle Paul. He realized that he'd been bought with a price. Why, he himself said that he was a, a servant, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. A bond slave is a slave who had been bought. But not only bought, he was brought into the family. And after seven years, instead of going free, which was his right... He would turn and say, I love my master. I love this family. I will not go out free. I will serve him forever. The bond slave was taken to the door. And with an awl, a hole was put in his ear. And for the rest of his life, he carried the mark that he was a bond slave. That was the apostle Paul. He felt his debt to Jesus Christ that he gave his life for the Savior. I say that. Because I thank God that in the work of Acre Gospel Mission, we've been working alongside people, and that has been their debt. When I think of James and Dory Gunning, James and Dory gave up their life in their home in Newton Arts, gave up their good and, 
and jobs, not only with prospects, but they had realized those prospects. But the call of God was greater. They gave up their home, gave up their jobs, and went to serve God in the Amazon. When they went to the Amazon, can I say it was a different world from the world we knew in. When Audrey and I went to the Amazon, it took us six weeks to get there. As a matter of fact, I always remember six weeks on a boat. I hadn't been to a barber in six weeks. And back in those days, why we went to the barbers every two weeks for a short back and sides. But uh, after six weeks, why the first thing I needed was a haircut. And I remember the day after I got to Brazil, I saw a barber so long I couldn't speak a word of Portuguese. I, I went in and the, the man indicated to me the chair. I sat down in the chair and he began to cut. I was looking in the mirror, he tried to speak to me, but I didn't understand a word he said. However, as he continued to cut, he, he, I realized I was getting close to the bone and I didn't know how to tell him to stop. Uh, but I remember seeing a traffic light on the red sign that said, para. And red means, well, means stop and para. So I said to him, para, para. He looked at me and that's when he really began to cut. I mean, sparks were coming out of the scissors. They went over the top of my head. And when he had finished, he left me with a little tuft of hair here in the front and what was a military haircut. What I learned afterwards, the word para is very simple, similar to another word, hepara, which means take a little more off. And that's what he thought I told him. However, back in those, those distant days when James and Dory, James and Dory, wherever they went, they built mission houses. James, in the book of Doakri, which opened to him in an amazing way, he used to go out into the forest, him and Jack Finley, and there they'd cut down these large cedar trees. After they'd cut them down, they'd let them lie for a few weeks, and then they would go back, and they would build them up in what we call estaleros, that is a frame, the frame there they'd haul the log up above it, they'd dig a hole underneath, and with a long saw, one would get on top of the log and the other below the log, and they'd saw the log into planks in the hot sun with the perspiration dripping off them. They would then pull those planks through the forest to a canoe and, and then bring them up to the Boca to actually pull them, put them out to dry in the sun, and then physically build a house and physically build a church. James Gunning always says that one day he was going up and down the ladder and an English missionary who was there said to him, who would do this for five pound a week? She has said to him, brother, if you're doing this for five pound a week, I think it's time you went home. We're doing this for the Lord. We are a debtor to the Lord that is above us. When I think of uh, a debtor, I think of Dr. Bill Woods. Bill Woods, who incidentally is going through uh, difficult time at the moment. He's got cancer, myeloma in his right leg, thrombosis on the left leg. He's got a lung condition and a blood condition, but he says besides all that, he's not feeling too bad. But, uh, but when Bill was a teenage boy, he felt the call of God upon his life. When he went home and told his mom and dad that God was calling him to the mission field, his father sort of derided him and he said, the mission field? My son, Bill, you, you'll do good if you get to the potato fields, never mind the mission field. Well, Bill did go. He went to Brazil, and in the little town of Canatama, where we worked alongside him, there we saw the need of leprosy patients. It's a bit of a long story how God spoke to him. But one day, a young man who had been brought six days to Canatama by canoe to get to Canatama, he had been bitten by a snake. 
And the boy was in agony. And when Bill went down river a bit and tried to visit him, there were no doctors, no nurses. And the fellow said, I want you to do something. Bill says, I'll pray for you. I don't want you to pray. I want you to do something. That challenged Bill. As a matter of fact, as he left that jungle house in the early part of the evening, you could hear the echo of the boy's voice going through the jungle, haunting Bill, saying, I want you to do something, do something, do something. Bill did something. He stepped down from the mission and uh, now, 45 years ago, went to study medicine in Portuguese in Brazil. After six years, he qualified as a doctor. He went to Rio de Janeiro and qualified as a, an ophthalmic eye surgeon. He went to India and worked alongside the famous Paul Brand to learn the, how to give uh, mobility back to hands for leprosy patients. And now for 45 years, he's been dedicating his life to serve those people, absolutely sold out to God. Why? Because he feels that he's a debtor, a debtor to God. 25,000 people have been healed from leprosy because of Bill Woods and the Amazon. Over 1,000 people have got their eyesight back again because of Bill. With leprosy, people, one of the, the sidelines of leprosy is that it, you lose the ability to blink. And when you can't blink anymore, it can't clean the eye and the eye becomes infected. And repeated infections give scar tissue and scar tissue brings blindness and Bill, for many years, has been able to reverse that situation and give sight back to people. Can you imagine what? The, one day, a man had been, he'd been blind for nine years, and Bill operated on him. And the man, the next day, when they took the swabs off, the man could see again. He was so excited. He, he wasn't able to see for nine years. And he said to Bill, I can't wait till the afternoon. And Bill said, why? He said, my wife is coming. I haven't seen my wife for nine years. Bill, who had always a sense of humor, said, well, if you don't like what you see, I can't reverse the operation again. I mean, you're, you're stuck with it. That's the way it is. But my friend, can I say that here is a man who felt his obligation to the gospel, faithful to the obligation. Of, listen, he was indebted to the Lord who was above him. He felt he was indebted to the lost who are around him. The lost all around us. My friend, we, we, in the northeast of Brazil, I remember when we worked in Brazil, the northeast of Brazil was known as for its Mariality. It was dedication to the Virgin Mary. Everywhere you would go, there would be statues to the Virgin Mary. Remember one day at a little place called Santa Cruz, we were giving out gospel tracts to these pilgrims who were going to a place called Juacero. And I got speaking to this man as I offered him a gospel tract. And he said, I'm on my way to Juacero, 250 kilometers walking. That is about 150 miles walking. When he would get to Juacero, he'll go around the cathedral on his knees till his knees are bleeding. And I pleaded with him. I said, sir, why do you do it? He said, I'm 72 years of age, and this is the 18th time I'm doing this pilgrimage. But why? He says, I'm doing it because I want to find forgiveness for my sin. I said, my friend, I want to tell you, you don't need to go to Juacero. You need to come to Jesus. And as we witnessed to him, and as I looked at those pilgrims making their way, in just a few weeks' time, our, our missionaries will be in a place called Fatima. 
In Fatima, in two weeks' time, there will be 500,000 people, many of them going on their knees with their beads in their hand, calling upon Mary for healing, my friend. We are there to witness to them, to the gospel. I'll tell you this. Why are we in this work? Not only because we're indebted to the Lord who is above us, we're indebted to the lost who are all around us. And that doesn't start in Spain or Portugal and Brazil. That starts with the people next door, the people across the street. Molly Harvey, one of our missionaries, used to say, in our task as missionaries, the only difference between you and us is we go across the world to do it. You can do it across the street. The lost around us. Our time is going. Let me say that Paul was not only faithful to the obligations of the gospel, I am a debtor. He was flexible to the opportunities of the gospel. That's why he said, I am ready. If you read the life of the Apostle Paul, you will find that this was a constant uh, availability that he had to God. I am ready, said the Apostle, to go to Rome. I am ready to suffer. I am ready to go to prison. I am ready... I'm ready to die for the Lord Jesus. Not only to go to Rome, I'm ready to give my life for the Lord Jesus. I wonder how far we are prepared to go for God. Um, I don't know if it's the right place to say it, but living here in Northern Ireland, and I hear many young people, young men especially, who have been to college, and they come out of Bible colleges and theological colleges, and they say, we have no openings no openings for preaching the gospel. My friend, it depends how far they, they want to go. Can I say there are openings, opportunities all around our world? Listen to them. Come over and help us. But Christ still comes today. Many years ago, the Emma Munn of whom I spoke, as she spoke at the Bangor Missionary Convention, a young girl by the name of Alma Arthur came out in response to the missionary appeal. And as Emma counseled her, the young girl said, I feel God is calling me to Africa. Emma said to her, Alma, as you're going to Bible college and you're going to the mission field, you'll face many things, many difficulties, but always remember this. Go through with God. Go all the way with God, Alma. Go through with God. Alma did. She became Alma McAllister. And many of you know the story of the McAllisters going through with God. Years later, Alma McAllister was speaking at Bangor, and a young girl by the name of Ruby Gray came out. She was offering her life to serve God in Africa, and Alma, she counseled her. She said, Ruby, I want to give you counsel that Emma Munn gave to me, and it's simply this. Always go through with God. No matter what the distance may be, no matter what the danger may be, no matter what the price may be, Go through with God. Ruby Gray did go through with God. In 1964, in a little place in the Congo, her mission station was overrun by the Simba rebels. They not only killed the missionary surgeon, Dr. Sharp, and his family, his little children, but they took Ruby Gray and they speared her through, and then they threw her body into the river Congo, and the last was seen was Ruby calling for help as crocodiles pulled her under the water. It was a terrible price to pay. 
Bob and Alma McAllister went back to Africa when the peace had come, and they went to visit that mission station and, and saw where the sharps had lived, and then they went to Ruby Gray's little house. And on the wall, Ruby had written, written the text, Go through with God. Go through with God. Our friend Noel Grant, many years ago, hearing that story, he wrote the song that says, Above thine own ambitions here. Another voice is calling clear. It is the call of God to thee. Oh, leave thine all and follow me. Go through with God thy vows to pay. Thy life upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest. And bring to thee God's very best. But always go through with God. Paul he was faithful to the obligations of the gospel. He was flexible in the opportunities of the gospel. And thank God when it came to the gospel message and facing Rome, he was fearless to the opposition of the gospel. Said the apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. He, he didn't boast of his education. He was a well-educated man. He didn't boast of his genealogy or of his, of his nationality or, or anything else. The Apostle Paul, the only glory he had was the glory of the cross and the boasting of the gospel. And my friend, can I say that as we look around our world today with its, its great problems, it's not more politics we need, my friend. We need more preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need that preaching with passion, that praying with passion. That, my friend, of taking up that, that challenge to be faithful in the obligations that you have, that I have. That obligation, my friend, is not just for those who are in the pulpit. It is for every member of the body of Christ. That obligation, my friend, as you follow it, will present many opportunities. I'll tell you this, whatever the opportunity, grasp it for God. And always, always go through with God. Many of the missionaries that I've mentioned this morning have gone to be with Christ. Today in Brazil, we thank God for Brazilians who are doing this work. Instant in season and out of season. Every day, as a matter of fact, just the other night, I got a FaceTime from last Saturday. They had a conference and they, they put on the FaceTime. And they're the, the pastors, my friend, all doing a fantastic work for God. And in towns, listen, in our time in Brazil, in towns where they stoned the believers, they burned the churches, they drove people out of town, now our missionaries, Brazilian missionaries, are entering into those towns, and God is blessing them. And churches are not only being established, they're growing. The fires of revival in their heart. Oh, for a passionate passion for souls. Oh, for a heart that yearns. Oh, for a love that loves unto death. Oh, for a fire, a passion that burns. Heavenly Father, bless these few words this morning. And our Lord, we ask of thee that you will help us. In the time that you've given to us, in the life that you've given to us to sense our debt to Thee and to the lost around us. And our Father, we pray that You'll take these frail frames and use them to Your glory.
and to the blessing of many. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.